You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, here we are in the last Sunday of 2020. In a few days, like this year is going to pass, right? We're going to be entering a new year 2021. And if you're like me, you're ready for a new year. Anyone ready for a new year? As we reflect back to 2020, it certainly brought some challenges. It certainly brought some opportunities. Uh, It seems like maybe the challenges have outweighed the opportunities. I know from my seat and where God's placed me to lead, this has probably been like one of the most challenging years that I've ever had to navigate. In this past year, we've had the challenge of living in a time of, of a pandemic. We've had to confront the evil of racism. Uh, we've had the tension of a presidential election. All of that's created uh, a few opportunities, as I like to say it. I came across this little Ziggy cartoon that uh, expresses my year quite well. Let's see if we can get this up. Yeah. Some days it feels like life is just one great big party and I'm the piñata. This year I felt a little bit like a piñata at times. Uh, and I think we would, we would probably all say that. But the good news in the midst of it all, as I prayed earlier, what we've experienced is the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God in the midst of the challenge. But as we think back to 2020, uh, what's one word? If you could only use one word. For those watching online, you can type this into the chat line. But if you could only use one word to describe 2020, what word would you choose? You're going to have to be really loud because I'm almost deaf. I'm not quite deaf yet, but I'm almost deaf. Fear. Uncomfortable? Fear? Unusual. Challenges? Chaotic? Chaotic? Someone back here said? Trust. Trust? Yeah, we've had to, yeah, that's a good one. On the positive side, we've had to trust. Anyone else? Flexibility. We've had to pivot some, or maybe we could say we've had to pivot a lot. This is good because, you know, the Sunday after Christmas is always the most difficult Sunday of the year. So this is helpful. Okay, you're kind of engaging your brain. What else? One word. Any? Hopeful. Hopeful in the midst of all that's happening. Yeah, I think that's the, uh, certainly in the positive view. As I've interacted with a, with a lot of different people throughout this uh, whole process, this whole year, I've heard words like frustrating, hard, frightening, depressing, challenging, scary. And in the midst of all the uncertainties, we have uh, the media that continues to kind of stir the pot in a negative way, resulting in ultimately what we have come to is fear and panic. Now, during all of this, God has been present and he's been working for our good. But this year has been hard. I think it's, it's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that. See, faith does not deny the reality of a situation, but it chooses to process the situation from God's perspective. Faith chooses to see the situation through God rather than seeing God through the situation. Are you with me? By faith, we face the difficulties of life knowing that God is present and that God's at work. By faith, we move forward even when we don't have all the answers we would like. By faith, what we move forward. As we, as we come to the end of the year, I think it's a great time to reflect. I always try to take a little bit of time to reflect back on the past year to say, hey, what can, what can we learn? I think it's also a great time to plan forward because a new year's coming. So reflect back. 
What can I learn? Look forward. How do I need to plan? And so that's all I want to do this morning, next few minutes, is I want to reflect back with you. I want to talk about some lessons that I think we can learn as we've navigated a really challenging year. And then I want to I want to change gears and I want to talk with you about how I think we can position ourselves forward to open our lives in a greater way for God to do a greater work in and through our lives. So what lessons can we learn from the past year that can help us live forward with greater faith and greater effectiveness? There's a story of a, of a young man who was 32 years of age who had just been appointed the president of a bank. So that's quite a young age to be appointed president of the bank. Because he was so young and lacked experience, he went to the retiring president who had been serving in that role for 30 years, and he asked for advice as to how he should lead the bank forward. And the old man came back with just two words, right decisions. And the young man, the young man responded, well, that's really helpful, and I appreciate that, but can you, but can you be more, a little more specific? Like, how, how do I make right decisions? That's what I, I want to do. The wise old banker simply responded, experience. And the young man says, well, that's why I'm here having this conversation with you. Obviously, I don't have the experience I need to lead this institution forward. Can you tell me how I can get experience? Like, how do I do that? And the old banker answered with two words, wrong decisions. How many of you know there's a better way than there's a better way to learn than by making wrong decisions? We don't always have to learn uh, lessons the hard way. I think if we if we set our hearts to seek God, if we take some time to reflect, that we can learn from the past and we can set ourselves up for a greater future. It was Soren Kierkegaard who said, "Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward." So. We've all heard the phrase, what, it's 2020, right? 2020 looking back, our vision's 2020 looking back, but looking forward, there's all of these, all of these unknowns. Well, hopefully we can learn from our past failures, challenges, and successes so that we can leverage those in a greater way to set us up for a greater future. As you know, the past cannot be changed, right? Some of us would like to go back and fix the past, but we, we, we can't change the past. The future is the only thing we can change. So learning lessons of the past is the only way to shape the present and the future. So as we look back to 2020, what have we learned? There's probably a lot of lessons that we can take away from 2020, but I've narrowed it for the sake of time. I've narrowed it to four lessons. Four lessons that I hope we've learned coming out of uh, the challenges that this year has brought. So looking back, what have we learned? Here's the first lesson I want to share with you. Worry does not solve our problems. It just drains our faith and wrecks our emotions. Worry. You know, it's been said, worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. And that's so true. You know, the, the, the difference is that a rocking chair is a great place to relax and worrying is a great place to wear yourself out. 500 years ago, Michael D. Montaigne said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which has never happened. Think about that. His point being, most of what we worry about never happens. And now there's been actually a study done that's, that's proved this. There was a group of individuals who were asked kind of to, kind of to chart their lives, the, thing they, the things they worried about, and what they came to discover it's like 85% of what they were worrying about never actually happened. And then out of, um, 
about 10, 12% of that, they discovered that which they were worrying about that was going to happen. They actually handled it much better than they expected. And they learned some valuable lessons in the process. The end of the study revealed this 95% of the stuff that we worry about, that we drain ourselves of energy with, it's like, it's silly. So I think the first lesson we need to learn is, is worry does not solve our, all of our problems. It just drains our faith and, and it wrecks our emotions. Because this is what I can tell you. There's going to be a few more challenges in 2021. Are you with me? It's, it is a reality. Like, like when the calendar flips over into the new year, COVID's not just going to go away because the calendar flipped. And all the other challenges that life brings our way. So what do we need to learn? We need to learn that worry does not solve our problems. It just drains our faith and wrecks our emotion. I think worry is a strategy of hell. I, I define it as being somewhat spiritual warfare. I think it's a strategy that hell wants to use against us to drain us of energy and to rob us of faith. That's why we have this biblical direction in, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Listen to how this scripture reads. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's my, my summary of these two verses. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. When worry comes, listen, you have to confront the worry with the word in faith so that you can be at peace. But the first lesson we need to take away from this year is like worry doesn't solve our problems. It just drains us of energy. It drains us of faith. Here's a second great lesson I think we can learn from 2020. And it's this. Physical distancing is good in a pandemic, but social distancing is not good. You know, I understand, I understand the necessity behind creating distance so we don't like spread germs. That's why we have every other row blocked off here. We don't spread the virus. But I also understand that we need community. Physical distancing is good, but social distancing creates a real problem. Early on in this pandemic, I, I went to a bank that I do business with and I I walked into the bank and there's this large sandwich sign that says, please maintain social distancing. Now, let me tell you why. There's a lot of banks in our, in our community. A lot of banks, but I have chosen to do my business with this bank because they know my name. And they treat me like I'm family. Like when I walk in, well, hello, Pastor Lemmings, how are you doing today? They make me feel valued. They make me feel significant. So that's why out of all the banks, I've chosen to do business with this bank. They've created a social connection, a relational connection. So I saw this, this sandwich board sign that said, please maintain social distancing. And I went to one of the leaders of the bank and I explained to him. I said, sir, can I share something with you? I said, there's a reason that I bank here. A lot of other banks I could go to, but there's a reason I bank here. is because you make me feel significant. You've created relational value, therefore I bring my business to this bank. I would suggest that you change your sign to say, rather than maintaining social distancing, I would suggest that you change it to say, please maintain physical distancing. Next time I went to the bank next week, guess what the sign said? Please maintain physical distancing. Listen, this is what I know. 
it's, it's so valuable, it's so significant that we stay relationally connected. You know, during this pandemic, we've made a lot of phone calls specifically to our seniors because of the isolation, the separation. And we had one of our pastors making a routine call to a gentleman in our church, called him, and um, I'll, not, I'll not mention his name, but he called this gentleman and said, uh, hey, how are you doing? He says, interesting you would call. I was just thinking about taking my life today. Obviously, the pastor quickly intervened. We started taking steps to help this gentleman. What was his challenge? Isolated, separated, disconnected, and wondering, is there any reason to continue on with life? Listen, physical distancing is good in a pandemic, but social distancing is not. We, we need, and this is one of the things I, I've really come even more so to discover, is I need you and you need me. Matter of fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him this morning, I need you and you need me. Go ahead and tell him. Relational connection. We were created for relationship. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and hold each other up just as in fact you are doing. So let's keep everyone safe, okay, by honoring physical distancing but let's make sure that we're staying connected relationally, okay? You, said, you need to speak life into someone, and someone needs to speak life into you. Are, are you with me? Here's, I think, a third lesson we can learn from 2020, and it's this. Disruptions can be a place of opportunity if we're willing to seek God. Hard places, challenging places, can actually be the place of opportunity. Whether a situation is a disruption or an opportunity, I think all depends on how you view the situation and how you respond to the situation. You know, one of my favorite stories coming out of this pandemic, looking back on this past year, one of my favorite stories has to do with chicken. Early on in the pandemic, I received a call just out of the blue. Out of the blue, I received a call from one of our ministry partners that says, hey, could you use a tractor trailer load of chicken? Now, I don't know what a tractor trailer load of chicken is. Um, I mean, I know, I know what a tractor trailer is, if you're wondering. I, I do know that. But like how much chicken is on a tractor, I had no idea. Uh, he says, it's free. We can get it to you, and it's free. Um, you want it. So I talked with one of our pastors. I said, here's this opportunity. And, um, and we, we kind of began to dialogue. What, what did we do? And, and so we got our first tractor trailer load of chicken. Get this, it was 42,000 pounds of chicken. Chicken tenders to be exact. 42,000 pounds. So we started calling our ministry partners in the community. Hey, you need a pallet. How many cases? You want 100 cases? You want 200 cases? How many cases can you? We began to find individuals in our community that needed chicken. So we dispersed 42,000 pounds of chicken in the middle of a disruption, right? About uh, seven days, eight days after we received the first shipment, I got another call from the same gentleman. He says, hey, would you, would you like another tractor trailer load of chicken? He said, this is a little different, so this is going to cost you 15000 uh, So I talked with our pastor that was helping distribute. I said, you think we can get rid of another tractor trailer? He says, yeah, we can. 37,000 pounds, the second loan. After we distributed it throughout the community, gave us an opportunity to bless so many folks, so many organizations. After we got rid of that tractor trailer load, I got a third phone call 
Say, hey, can you take another tractor trailer load of chicken? It was 35,000 pounds of chicken. In the midst of this pandemic, we gave away in one month's time 110,000 pounds of chicken tenders. No longer are we known as Grace Covenant. We're now known as the Chicken Church. Come on. Well, in, the midst of, in the midst of the disruption, there was this place of opportunity. And this is what I'm convinced of. And I could give you illustration after illustration. I don't have time this morning. We see it throughout Scripture. If we're willing to seek God in the midst of the disruption, we're going to be able to see the opportunity He's going to bring our way. And we're going to be able to make His name great and bring His kingdom present in the midst of the disruption if we set our hearts to seek Him. Read Acts 16. I'm not going to take time to tell you that story. Acts 16, Paul and Silas. And see what happens in the middle of their disruption as they set their hearts to seek God. This is what I know. In the times of disruption, there's always opportunity. We have to set our hearts to seek God in the midst of that. That he might bring revelation. Quickly, here's a fourth lesson I think we can learn that's critical for us. And it's this. In storms of life, we must be anchored to the truth of God's word. Listen, storms happen, right? Pandemic storms, political storms, financial storms. So just as you can be certain that there's going to be meteorological storms that happen in our world, so you can be certain that there's going to be storms in life. Matter of fact, Jesus said it like this in John 16, 33. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And through Jesus, I believe we're more than overcomers. More than overcomers through his provision. But when the winds from the storms of your life are blowing, you want to make sure that you're anchored to the truth of God's word. Like a boat that's anchored in a hurricane. What, to keep it from being destroyed, right? To keep it solid, to keep it steadfast. So, in the storms of life, listen, you want to be anchored to the truth of God's word. God's word brings encouragement in the storms of life. God's word builds our faith in times of struggle. God's word brings insight and understanding when we're caught in a storm. And God's word brings help and hope. So I encourage you to keep your life anchored to God's word. But here's the deal, friends. Don't wait till the storm comes to run to the word. Okay? Now, anchor, anchor yourself to God's word. If that's not a part of like your, your routine, your rhythm of life, then would I, could I encourage you that a great strategy for 2021 would begin to develop a discipline of studying the Word, building God's Word into your life, anchoring your life to the truth of God's Word? Because this is what I can tell you. 2021 is not going to be like free of storms. No, it's going to be like every other year that we've ever navigated through. Every, every, every other year in history. But there's going to be storms. So what? You want to anchor yourself to the truth of God's Word. Well, that's a great segue thinking forward to 2021. How should we then live forward? So four lessons we can learn looking back. So how should we, how should we live forward? How do we want to process life? See, I, I happen to believe that we can position ourselves as such that God can reveal himself in a greater way in our lives. I don't believe that accidentally happens. I, I don't believe I accidentally live in the favor of God. I believe I intentionally live in the favor of God. 
I believe I purposefully live in the favor of God. And it all comes down to how do you choose to process life? So this is really simple, but I'm going to tell you how you can set yourself up for a great year no matter what happens. So how can we, how can we live forward? Four things really quick. Here's the first, live humbly. Live humbly pursuing God and His work for your life. And the best way to set, your up, set, set yourself up for a great year is to determine that you're going to seek God and live connected to God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things, all these things that God knows you have need of, He's going to meet you in those places as you get your seeking right. But our seeking has to be right. And it's all about living humbly, living connected to God. You know, most of you, probably all of you, drove an automobile here this morning. How many of you drove an automobile here this morning of some type? How many of you walked here? Yeah, so we all drove some type of automobile. The automobile that you drove here, no matter make or model, the automobile that you drove here was designed to run on a fuel substance. I happen to drive a diesel truck, so mine's diesel, yours may be gasoline. But it was designed, your car, your automobile was designed to run on a fuel substance. If you just say, hey, gas is too high, I think I'm just going to fill my tank with water. Car won't run. Why? Because your car was not designed to run on H2O. It was designed to run on fuel. Hear me, friend. This is so simple, but it's so profound. You were created... To run on God. I'm telling you, life without God doesn't work. Read Romans chapter 1. Life without God doesn't work. So how, how can we live forward, setting ourselves up for a great year? I think first we live humbly. We live connected to God. I love the scripture. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has been my life first. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your path. He'll get you where He wants you. He'll accomplish what He wants to do in and through your life. As your seeking is right. So, so, so here... Here's the first thing we want to do living forward. We want to live humbly, pursuing God and His work for our lives. Not only that, not only do we want to live humbly, but we also want to live confidently. Live confidently, trusting God's promises and His provision. Listen, God is faithful to His promises. He'll do what He said He was going to do. Now, a lot of things we can't be confident about in our world because things are constantly changing and people are so inconsistent. I mean, today we can't be confident in our political leaders. Why? Because they say one thing and they do another. Today we can't be confident in the stock market. Well, because it's so volatile. It's like, it, it's always changing. Like, we, we, we can't even be confident of, of the meteorologists. Like, they get it right 50% of the time, right? I, I mean, there's so many things that we can't be confident of. But what we, what we can be confident is, is in a God who never changes and His Word that's forever constant. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says, So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 
Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Listen, if Jesus doesn't come back, one of these days you're going to pass. You don't, you, you'll not last forever in your present state. But what never changes is God's word. His word is steadfast and confident. So in a world that's filled with unknowns and uncertainties, we can live confidently trusting God's promises and trusting his provision. So live confidently. So we're going to live humbly. We want to live confidently. In this new year, we also want to live graciously, looking for opportunities to express the love of Jesus. Live graciously. You know, one of my prayers Every morning when I have my private worship time, one of my prayers is, Holy Spirit, help me be a life giver, a lid lifter, and a bucket filler to others today. In other words, Holy Spirit, help me live graciously. Help me to be a grace giver. Listen, the people that you do life with, think about the people in your neighborhood, the people in your school, the people in your workplace, what they need to experience is God's grace through your life. They need, they need to experience the love of Jesus through your life. You know, John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said to his disciples, Here, here's a new command I'm giving you. Love one another as I've loved you. So we want to live graciously. To live out grace that others might experience the grace of Jesus through our lives. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus said this, Freely you have received, freely give. How many of you have freely received grace? If you're not raising your hand, you should be. We freely receive God's grace. So we want to be those who freely give God's grace. So in this year, make a decision that you're going you're to live graciously, looking for the opportunities to express the love of Jesus. Here's the final key to setting yourself up for a great year, and it's this, live generously. Leveraging what you have to help others. How are you going to leverage what God's blessed you with to be a blessing to others? In other words, don't be stingy. Choose to be generous. You know, during this pandemic, we've certainly seen the good side of people, but we've also seen the ugly side of people. There was the hoarding of toilet paper, of all things. I mean, of all things that people would fight over. Toilet paper. The hoarding of toilet paper. Then there's a story, true story, of two brothers, Matt and Noah Coven, who who tried to take advantage of the crisis, they went on a 1,300-mile road trip gathering up containers of hand sanitizers and bacterial wipes. They actually gathered 17,700 containers of all of the substance that everyone needed, and then they were trying to sell it somewhere between 8 to $70 per container. In other words, they were trying to profit off of, of the crisis um, now, as you know, you, legally you can't do that, so it wasn't long before their little business was shut down. It was interesting, during that time, someone on Twitter tweeted this, there's a special place in hell for hoarders of toilet paper and hand sanitizer or price gouging during this national emergency. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if there's a special place in hell for folks like that. But what I do know 
is that choosing to live generously not only brings greater joy in our lives, but it, but it also opens our lives for God's generosity. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Remember this. In other words, hey, don't forget this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Then verse 11 goes on to say, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I believe that, that God will bring his goods to us if he can flow them through us. Really simple. Why out of all of the churches would we get a call for 42,000 pounds of chicken? There's a, there's a track record of we just want to bless our community. That's why we believe that God's place is here. Not just to have a building so we can hold some services in a building. Like We believe. Our leaders, our elder board, our church council, our pastoral staff, you as a company, we believe that God's place is here to be a blessing to our community. And so God flows 110,000 pounds of chicken to us, not so we can get fat, but so we can bless the community with 110,000 pounds of chicken. I believe that God will get it to us if he can get it through us. So don't be stingy. Don't be a hoarder. Choose to live generously, and as you do, you're not only going to give life and help to others, but you're going to discover more life and greater life in the process. That's what happens when we choose to live generously. So as we come to the end of this year, Again, I I think we're all a bit relieved. I know I am. Like we're ready to get this year behind us. But I would encourage you, let's not leave this year without learning some valuable lessons. It was Jerome Hines who said, happy is the person who cherishes the precious lessons of the past and lives vigorously in the present. Treasure what we learned in the past. We're living vigorously, full of faith in the present. as we come to this new year, as the calendar turns, may we choose to live humbly, to live confidently, to live graciously, and to live generously. And as we, as we do, listen, no matter, no matter what comes, we'll be positioned for a great year. That's what I'm confident of. I want to leave you with this verse of scripture from Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 where the Apostle Paul wrote these words being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus what God begun he's committed to complete may we be willing partners in the process 
Because I live with this conviction every day is that God wants to bring the greatness of his kingdom to you, to your address. And he wants to manifest the greatness of his kingdom through you. He wants to bring his kingdom to you. And he wants to manifest his kingdom through you. Every day. What he's begun, he's going to carry it on to completion. That we might live with that confidence. Well, Lord, we thank you. As we look back on this year, certainly there's been some adversity, some challenges. There's been a lot of um, pivoting we've had to do. But God, what I know from my seat on the bus, though, at times I felt a bit like a pinata taking licks. God, you've been faithful. Faithful in the storm. So, Lord, we, we celebrate that. Now, Lord, as we transition out of this year, Lord, may we not lose sight of valuable lessons that we should learn that can position us moving forward. Now, Lord, as we come into this new year, help us, Holy Spirit, to live graciously, to live confidently, to live, to live generously, Lord, to generously live out what you've, what, what you've blessed us with. And all of that, and in all of that, may we find ourselves consistently connected to you. For you are our source. Now, Lord, this morning I just pray blessings over my friends here. Lord, as they head into this new year, God, may you do great things in their lives. God, may your kingdom come to them and may your kingdom happen through them in dynamic ways. Holy Spirit, break out, I pray, in this coming year. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.